Hi, Tim Sparks here. Before I start, I would like to wish an apology for something that happened on last week's program. I wish to set the record straight and I hope this apology is accepted. What happened last week was not a reflection of what this show is about, and for that I apologise. What happened can only be described as unfortunate. I regret what happened and will make sure this does not happen ever again. On last week's recording of The Hill, I spoke of a game between the West Tigers and the Sydney Roosters in 2001. A game in which the Sydney Roosters defeated the Tigers 30 points to 16, with tries to Ryan Cross, Brian Fletcher, Paul Green, Shannon Hegarty and Anthony Minicello, with goals being kicked by Luke Phillips and Craig Fitzgibbon. A game in which the Tigers' halves pairing was Owen Craigie and Craig Field. Who would you rather be? I spoke of this game being part of a doubleheader at the Sydney Football Stadium. Whilst I was correct in stating this match was part of a doubleheader, it was not played at the Sydney Football Stadium. Not only was this doubleheader not played at the Sydney Football Stadium, there have not been any rugby league doubleheaders played at that ground. The Hill apologises for this information. There have been several, several doubleheaders, including the one mentioned in last week's program, which have all been played at Stadium Australia Homebush. Once again, The Hill would like to apologise for the misinformation and will indeed endeavour to provide accurate information on such matters into the future. Now, on with the show. This is The Hill, talking rugby league with Sam Berry and Tim Sparks. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Hill, the Terry Hill, the Scott Hill, the Matt Hilda, the Craig Greenhill, the David Barn Hill. These are the players that not only share names of our podcast, but they embody the spirit of this cast. A place for some chat about modern day rugby league systems and structures, but also a nod to the past plays and the clubs we love. So settle in for another big show with finals just around the corner. I'm really looking to bring some finals form into this show. The forwards are going to set a really good platform early on, fast line speed and defence, and really look to get on top early. We'll look to play nice and direct with the backs, and the backs, rather, will look to play some footy off the back of shape later in the first half, if you get what I'm saying. On today's show, I've got your round 18 preview. I've got a who would you rather be with a bit of a twist. A Jason twist, if you will. I've got the big issues of the week. I've got Griffin, Gould, Packer, Reynolds, Tiger Corner. And by overwhelming demand, I'll discuss corporate sponsorship at the Canberra Raiders for some reason. So, without any further ado, let's get into it. Alright, so I've also got a text from Pezza, which has become commonplace on this podcast since he can't be with me in person. Uh, look, I'm not, I'll just read you the text. Uh, it's getting a bit silly, I think, but I'll just read the text out. Uh, it goes from Sam Perry, and I appreciate him getting him in touch. Don't, don't get me wrong here. It goes, Morning Tim, Malcolm Turnbull banned Huawei from Australia's 5G rollout. Donald Trump has banned Huawei altogether. Now Huawei has parted ways with the Raiders. Is it true that Huawei's links to China pose a national security threat to Australia? And what does this mean for the Raiders? Cheers for the show. It's going well and I'm really enjoying it, Pez. Well, Pez, as I said earlier, mate, this is the Terry Hill, not the Washington Hill. Uh, so I don't, know, I don't know why you're so interested in my comments or thoughts on uh, you know, corporate sponsorship at the Raiders and uh, what's going on with Huawei. But nevertheless, I'll endeavour to answer these questions uh, at, the, at the back end of the show, so stick around for that. Uh, okay, now I, I said last week, I've, you know, a change of the structure and the system, which meant I'm now a preview show, okay? So I'm recording on a Friday morning, giving you the cast on a Friday, so... You know, just felt a bit more right to, to give you a bit of a rundown of what happened on Thursday night, and I'll get into that in a second, uh, and then preview uh, the coming game. So, look, I'll get into that now. Uh, last night, uh, you probably watched it. Uh, we saw the Bunnies beat the Tigers 26-24. Now, I said on my Facebook post uh, that, that, you know, the cast would probably be a reflection of last night's game. And, you know, all in all... Uh, you know, whilst I would have loved the Tigers to, to win, and I felt, you know, they probably could have or should have in the end, uh, 
I was, I was pretty happy with the overall performance. And more than anything, like it was just a really good game of football. Sorry, a great game of football, really. Like it had absolutely everything. Uh, like from a South's perspective, like they came out early and showed some class. Uh, well, I've just noticed the Tigers are now 2,000. Anyway, the, the, the premiership was the Tigers are now 2,501. Um, but anyway, yeah, the Rabbitohs the came out really well and like showed their class to get out to that lead with 18 nil or whatever it was uh at the start you had it we had a great comeback from the tigers we had a bit of a bit of a blue a bit of a biff um in there and some sin bins uh and then just a like a really great second half like a a second half that uh, looked like a semi-final i guess um yeah and it's i guess ultimately from a tigers perspective it's just a real shame uh that they didn't come out and play the way they did in the second half, in the first half, because that first 25 minutes or so uh, was very ordinary. I mean, Souths were good. Their, their forwards were really strong. Uh, they killed the Tigers in the middle, really. Um, and then they've got a, you know they've got some good playmakers out wide and capitalised on what they did in the middle. So, well done to the Bunnies. Uh, that takes them, you know, what, to fifth place, I guess, with still other games to go. So... Yeah, I mean, realistically, thank goodness Latrell Mitchell didn't play, I think. I think it would have been a different story had he have played. Uh, and, you know, I think it's going to be... It could have been a different story for Souths progressing further into the competition. But, you know, I think... Is that six? They've won six out of the last seven, I think, now, uh, the Bunnies. So, they're, they're looking good. Uh, and, look, the Tigers gave a pretty good account of themselves. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I'll talk about the Tigers a bit more in Tiger Corner, obviously. But I think the Tigers it, it shifted a little bit when Sam McIntyre came on. I think he was he was really good for them uh, in the middle there. He's a he's a he's a tough, aggressive uh, player. So yeah, I was impressed with him. Harry Grant was absolutely outstanding. Uh, and yeah, there was some there were some good signs from some other players in there as well. Uh, but yeah, that's probably all she wrote for the Tigers now, and they'll probably look on uh, to next season. But yeah, the, the games, the games to come. We got just yeah, it looks like just a game of footy again for the Bulldogs and the Seagulls with both their finals hopes um, gone. Just be a, a game of footy, so that's something to look forward to uh, this evening. Uh, and then a real a real good game of footy after that, I think, uh, with the Panthers and, and Parramatta. I think Penrith are going to show why they are getting close to premiership favourites. Uh, and, and also, Parramatta, I think, are going to show um, why they're not. And, you know, why they're sort of missing the mark a little bit. I think, I think, Pe- I think Penrith, sorry, are just going to be too strong for them. All over the park. I think the biggest thing that stands out to me with Penrith is how not only how cohesive they are, but just how happy they are as a team. I know that happens because they're winning. It's always that sort of chicken or the egg type thing. You know, are they really happy because they're winning, or are they winning because they're really happy? But I don't think it really matters. They just, you know, they look really together as a team. They look really happy. They look like they're having heaps of fun, um, and they look fit. You know, I think they're they're one of the very few clubs that haven't been affected by any really serious long term injuries yet. So, uh, if that continues for them, that could well be the difference. And I think, especially in a year where there's no um, second tier football, that might actually prove to be the difference because it means, you know, all their players, generally speaking, who are playing on the field, um, are match fit. I guess Kurt, Kurt Capewell, I think, has been out for a little while. He might come back in uh, to the side. But other than that, I think that's going to be that could be a big difference uh, come semifinals time. I think Penrith will, will win and win very well there. Uh, on to the games on Saturday. We got the Dragons and the Raiders. Uh, the Raiders will be too strong there. There's a scoop. Um, what have we got? There's a there was a who's debuting? Someone debuting for Saints that I should know um, but I've forgotten sorry but that's uh, might come to me later but I think they're I think they're playing a few new young blokes should be good um, yeah 
I guess it must be weird for Dean Young coaching. I mean, the last two games when he was overlooked for the for the head coaching role for next year. But you know, I guess it's all all part of the experience. Uh, 5.30 Saturday sees just, yeah, another game of footy on the Gold Coast, this time with the Titans against the Broncos. I don't know how or when the last time the Titans went in as favourites against the Broncos, but I would dare say it was a long time ago. So in that sense, I think it should be really good. I think um, that's a proper rivalry, that one. Uh, Maybe it's not as strong as the uh, Cowboys-Broncos one, but it is a, a proper rivalry, and I think... Yeah, if the Broncos can do anything, or it's not even salvage anything, but just demonstrate that they're still a footy club that still has a bit of pride about them, they'll come out and they they won't want to lose to the Titans. Uh, You know, so, and I think the Gold Coast Titans will, well, obviously, it goes without saying they really want to beat... um, the Broncos, I just I just really love watching the Titans more and more. Uh, you talk about football sides. Um, Justin Holbrooks has got just got him going really, really well. And yeah, Jamal Fogarty is fast becoming one of my favorite players in the competition. Like just a great story um, of a guy who, um, you know, had a bit of first grade and then sort of um, had to go back to second grade or Queensland Cup. Uh, and then and then didn't come back until he was about 26 or so and yeah it's just and and, he, and and yet now he's the captain it shows how how strong a player he is now how well respected he is the player I've got more to say uh, about uh, Jamal Fogarty later on uh, and the role the Queensland Cup played in that I think but yeah really enjoying that so I'll, I, that's a game I'm looking forward to that actually might be the game I'm looking forward to the most uh, I reckon and I think uh, you know what <laughs> I'm going to tip the Titans, um, but it, it should be close. Uh, we've got the Roosters and the Knights at the cricket ground. Uh, the Knights definitely less Ponga, and I think it's sounding like the Roosters might be less Tedesco um, as well. So, obviously, a couple of sides looking to rest some of their key players, which is fair enough. Uh, assuming, well, the Knights, I guess the Knights have... I don't think, well, it'd be very hard for the Knights to make the top four now. They'd have to, they'd pretty much have to win all three games, I think, to make the top four. So that's probably out of their reach. But you'd imagine they'd still want to be finishing fifth or sixth to get that home semifinal, being a regional side. Uh, that home semifinal is really going to help them, particularly with Canberra hovering around there. You don't want to go to Canberra to play an elimination final, I would have thought. Uh... The Knights, yeah, yeah, they're just they're just going along, aren't they? They're sort of um, like I know they put a big score on Cronulla last week, thanks to that bizarre tackle um, from Chad Townsend. Anyone who thinks that wasn't a send-off offence, I don't know what they were watching. That was so weird. I'm sure you've seen that replayed a thousand times now, um, but yeah. Strange. Uh, the Knights, and yeah, a lot to talk about Kalen Ponga getting unfairly targeted, um, especially around his head. The last fullback for that to happen to was actually James Sedesco at the Tigers. I can't remember the exact year, but there was a year. Uh, it was the year that Jared Hayne came back and played for the Gold Coast Titans. I remember that because the Tigers were making a run. I don't know what it would have been, maybe 2017. They were making a run to the finals. Uh, and were really closing in. And then people were smashing James Tedesco, like absolutely clobbering him uh, in the head. And then someone finally did it. I don't know if it was in that Titans game or it was the week before. And they broke broke his jaw finally after all these teams had tried so hard to do that in the weeks leading up to it. Uh, yeah, they, they took Tedesco out and that was all she wrote for the Tigers after that. Um... So, yeah, that, that seems to be happening to Ponga at the moment. But the weird thing is, as soon as Tedesco went to the Roosters, it sort of stopped happening. So, I don't know if it's because he had a stronger forward pack sort of protecting him uh, that it stopped happening or the fact that he was now in a Roosters jersey 
players didn't feel like they could do that. I don't know. I don't know if Tedesco developed something else in his game. He didn't seem to. I'm not saying he didn't become a better player, but it wasn't that drastic. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Something to think about. Maybe the, the Newcastle Knights forward pack maybe trying to assert themselves a little bit, a little bit more uh, to help out their fullback, perhaps. I don't know. Just a thought. Something else Newcastle, I think, really need to do is just have a look at their jerseys. Um, I've just been really disappointed in Newcastle jerseys, um, in particular this year, like the high viz thing, like I get that like the mining is such a big thing in Newcastle and I'm not going to, you know, Pezza already wants me to talk about bloody, you know, Australia, China trade wars, um, on a rugby league podcast. I'm not going to get into, you know, my thoughts on mining and things like that. That's not what I'm saying about this jersey, but the jersey's shit house. Like it's like some high vis, you know, um, orange and blue, like piece of rubbish. Okay, if you want to honor mining community, do it once. Like play with that jersey once during the year. They roll out all the time now. Is it almost become their away jersey or something? It's a shocker. I really don't like it. Uh, the white jersey. I don't think a white jersey's ever really worked for the Knights, uh, in my opinion. You can, you can. Try and correct me on that if you like, but I, I don't. It's just just keep it predominantly like red and blue. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I the the V was good, but you can do whatever you want with it. But just predominantly red and blue. And if if you really want to work on it, bring back those um shorts that had like the different. You know, there's squares on them. It wasn't like a hologram, but it sort of was, you know, and they sort of sparkled. They wore them in the mid-90s. Like, if, if anything Newcastle would like to do, just to maybe give them a little bit more of an edge, is bring back those shorts, you know? Remember Russell Crowe talking about when he uh, bought South Sydney, essentially, and he talked about, like, kidding them out in, like, those Armani suits and stuff like that, and he's talking about, you know, that your, your clothes are your, are your armour and your jersey is your armour, um... And it makes, it makes you feel good, you know. You just wonder, like, how the Knights feel putting on that jersey. The high-vis jersey, the, that white jersey. Just They just must, you know. I don't, I don't know. I think it actually... This sort of started off as a bit of a joke, but it actually probably does play a part, you know. You, I'm sure the guys who put that rabbit's jersey on and you see that big rabbit on their heart um, go, yeah, there's history here. This is, you know, this means something. And it probably gives you just a little bit more... Newcastle putting on some high-vis thing or some white jersey or, you know, hologramless shorts. It doesn't mean anything, you know? Something to think about if you're out there, Newcastle. I really think it is. Uh, but yeah, the, I still think the Chooks will, will win that and probably win that comfortably uh, as my league app just freezes for me. But that's okay. Uh, we go to the Sunday games. Uh, the Sunshine Coast Storm up against North Queensland. Another local derby. That should be good. Um, you know, as we know, Queensland uh, Melbourne has been a Queensland-dominant club uh, since their inception, which is why the Broncos have sort of dropped off uh, in the last sort of 20 years or so. Uh, need for another Brisbane team, maybe. But, you know, it did happen with Melbourne. Uh, a lot of people, you know, don't really appreciate that as much as they should uh the Melbourne Storm aren't here Cameron Smith plays for the Broncos and then the Broncos uh continue winning comps anyway um I digress I think the Storm will win and they'll win extremely comfortably why does my phone play up as soon as I start this podcast oh we got problem what is going on not enough space in iCloud to back up this phone anyway um look yeah, the Storm will win that, okay? Uh, yeah, they'll win it well. I was trying to look to see if um, who they got coming back. Uh, oh, that's right, Pappenhausen is out. Nico Hines, he's a very good player. I really like him. Um, oh, I just, yeah, I don't know. I'm starting to, I'm, 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 okay, I'm not saying I've got a soft spot for them. Okay, let me just make that extremely clear. But I don't know, like I'm still almost starting to develop a soft spot for the storm. I think it's time for me to leave Melbourne. I think I have to move. Um, I, I don't know what's happened here. Like, I don't know if it's because I've like, I've told everyone Melbourne's going to win the comp and I just have this, I really want to be right about it that I've started to develop and going, well, Melbourne's going to win. So don't worry. So therefore I, I'm starting to want them to win a little bit more. 
just so I'm right about things. I don't know if it's that. I mean, I like Cameron Munster. Cameron Munster played a charity cricket game down at my cricket club over the summer. He's actually a pretty good bowler. Left arm over the wicket. <laughs> um, he was a good bloke. Is it is that what it is? I want Ado Carter to come back to the Tigers, so maybe I want him to keep doing well, and I'm liking him. Uh... If I'm going to go with Paul Kent or Cameron Smith, I'm going to go with Cameron Smith. I don't know what it is, but far out. It's it's a worrying development. It's a real worrying development. Um, I'm just going to... So I'm just going to... I'm just trying to check myself. I'm doing it publicly just to make sure that everyone out there understands that I'm not comfortable with it. Okay, I'm not comfortable with almost developing this soft spot. I'm going to have to work at it somehow. So I'm actually going to tip the Cowboys... Uh, in a boil over there, actually, as it turns out. Um, yeah, look, on the back of uh, Drinkwater and Clifford, I think they've been playing some pretty good footy. Uh, Val Holmes back there at fullback. Esan Masters, a good former Tiger uh, in there. And um, yeah, look, I've always I've always liked Josh Maguire and um, the rest of the pack there. Uh, Jordan McLean, always been a good player as well. So yeah, no, look, get right behind the Cowboys, actually. Uh, for a boil over there uh, at the Sunshine Coast uh, Stadium at 4 o'clock. Uh, the 6.30 game, Sharks and Warriors, was absolutely going to be an absolute belter of a game from my perspective if the Tigers had a one. Uh, but sadly, they didn't. So I guess, yeah, look, I'm just getting behind the Warriors. I'm enjoying what Todd Payton's doing with them. I'm enjoying the, the footy they're playing. That, that game last week, uh, Parramatta and the Warriors, was it was one of my favourite games of the year, actually. I thought it was really open style of uh, game. Uh, and the Warriors just showed a lot of ticker, a lot of steel um, to get back into the game. They don't get the rub of the green ever. And it's kind of comforting just to see that that does happen to other teams because I feel it only happens to the Tigers. Uh, but yeah, I was, I'll, be, I'll be looking for a Warriors win there. Um, regardless of the Tigers' sort of chances, the Tigers' chances are gone. Okay, let's just be let's just be be clear on that. But yeah, I'll be looking for a Warriors win. I, the Sharks can't. I can't see them. Not without um, Wade Graham. I think they could have done it without uh, Chad Townsend. But I think I don't think they can. I don't think they can win a game until Wade Graham comes back. I think is he suspended for two games or three? I think it's two. So. He misses this game. They lose to the Warriors. They lose next week. They lose to the the Roosters the week after. Uh, then it'll be a big game for them against the Raiders uh, in the last. But we'll get to that later. I'm not. I'm. You're not here for a, a, a whole of season preview or the rest of the season preview. You're just looking for a round 18 preview. So that's what it is. Uh, I think the Warriors will win that one. Uh, so that looks like a pretty good round of footy uh, to me. And I look forward uh, to continuing to watch it. And gee, I'll tell you, if it's anything like last night's game, we're in for a real treat. Okay, so moving on to uh, one of the one of the real pillars of the program. Who would you rather be? Uh, in where we usually we usually take uh, two players, either of first or same first name or same last name, uh, and just simply say, who would you rather be? Usually, mostly from a from an NRL rugby league career uh, point of view, uh, sometimes, you know, from a post-career point of view as well. Uh, and especially if you have to sort of go into a tie-break situation where you're not really sure who you like to be, sometimes the post-career uh, stuff can, uh, can tip you over one way or another. Now, this week, because I've had a fair bit of... Uh, there's been some contributions... Uh, from some of you listeners out there, which is absolutely brilliant. You know I love you getting in touch with me, so thank you very much. Uh, so, we've got something different, because uh, Slam JL, who's, who's speaking of contributors, a great contributor to the show, he's got in touch and has thrown a few out there, okay, which I couldn't split. And also, the great NRL economist, who I gave a rap to last week, uh, has got in touch with me, uh, and has thrown us in with one as well, all right, with a bit of a different angle, which I like. So what we're going to do, okay, this is a three-parter, okay? So what we're going to do is, well, I'm just going to simply, so we've got, it's a who would you rather be for your early part of your career? Who would you rather be for your late part of your career? And who would you rather be uh, post-career? 
okay? And then you sort of wrap it all up together, okay? So, early career, it's going to be, who would you rather be? Ben Cross or Ben Ross? All right, so, we're going early years, okay? So, for Ben Cross, you know, who, a bit of a journeyman, uh, had time at the Storm, the Knights, uh, played for Leeds Rhinos, uh, played for Widness, played for Wigan, has done some coaching, and I think is still coaching, I think maybe with Brisbane, or he was coaching with Brisbane before the COVID bubble hit. Uh, but he started his career in Canberra, okay? So you're looking at you're looking at Ben Cross, early years, Canberra, 2003 to 2005. All right, so not a whole lot doing there, I guess. Uh, from a Raiders perspective, who you got? You've probably got Matthew Elliott coaching you, you know... Um, yeah, when I say not a whole lot doing, not a whole lot doing as far as premiership success or anything like that goes, but, you know, you, what, we're looking at Todd Carney probably coming through the grades, Josh Dugan might be around, you're playing good style of footy, you know, and, and you're playing for the Raiders, 2003, now probably all the greats have retired by then, haven't they, I'd say, uh, but they might be still hanging around the club, so look, it's, you, look if, you, if you want to start your career somewhere... Could be the Raiders. So if you're if you're up for starting your career at the Raiders, you're going to be. I think you're looking at. I guess you're looking at Ben Cross. On the other hand, you could be Ben Ross. All right, similar kind of era. Now look, he started his career at Saints, which I had completely forgot about. St George Lawara, two thousand and two. So St George Lawara's second season. So we're going to kind of count that. He only played eight games apparently, but I'm going to have to find a picture of him in a Saints jersey because it doesn't sound right to me. But then he's, he's gone from uh, 03 to 05, Panthers. Okay, so you've got a bit of Dragons and Panthers. Now, you want a comp uh, for the Panthers in 03. All right, so it's, you know... I guess, you know, it's not always a, it's not always the best thing to do is winning a comp in your sort of first year. You know, you sort of ask guys like Farah and Marshall, I know, uh, who thought it would just come real easy to them. Maybe some of those other players from 03 Panthers. Luke Rooney, for example. Don't know who else would be in that. I was going to say Luke Lewis, but he goes on to win one for the Sharks. Anyway, it's, you're still winning a grand final. So I guess that's, you know, what do you want to, you know, who would you rather be? Early years, okay? You know, Saints Panthers, Ben Ross, or you're cutting your teeth uh, for the Raiders uh, with Ben Cross. I'm going to be Ben Cross for Raiders. Okay, you got to write this down because I'm, we're, you're going to, you, we bring this all together uh, at the end. So I've written it down, Ben Cross. Okay, so now you, you, you've, you've had a, um, you've had your early part of your career, which is good. Now we go on to your your, your later years. Now, yeah. Oh, you can consolidate a little bit in, in the. No, this is just the end. That's the start of your career, and this is the end of your career. That's all. Oh, I probably should add a middle part. But anyway, uh, and we're going in with this is a good one. This is also from Slam Jail. Nathan Friend or Clayton Friend? Who would you rather be for you know your 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 main part of your career and, and the end of your career? So if you're Nathan Friend, uh, you're playing in the hooking role for the Gold Coast Titans uh, from about 2007. I think he was an inaugural player for the Titans. I don't want to... I've got this theory how the Gold Coast Titans completely ruined the West Tigers, but if you want me to talk about that, you can ask me later and I might address it next show. I I don't have the energy to do it today, uh, given the loss from last night. Uh, But friends, inaugural part, plays 100 games for the Gold Coast, goes over to the Warriors. All right, so he comes back to the Gold Coast. I forgot about that. Okay, so you're you're looking at Gold Coast and, and the Warriors. It's pretty, like... So you're an expansion player, you know, you're flying the flag of rugby league expansion. Not necessarily massive amounts of success, again, as far as premierships go. So maybe if you were Ben Ross, you've already won your, your, your premiership at um, Penrith, you might look to be Nathan Friend for the end of your career. You know, you've, you've done the premiership stuff, now you're looking to build a club at the Titans, you know. Uh, really try and set a foothold for, you know, years down the track, uh, you know, to when they can be playing the Broncos as favourites in 10 years' time or something. No chance of a semi-final berth. Maybe you want to be doing that and then finish up with the Warriors, you know, again. Um, Doing that sort of stuff. If you're into that kind of thing, then you're going to be Nathan Friend. Now, if you're into being part of the North Sydney Bears from 1986 to 1989, uh, then you're going to be Clayton Friend. 
Now, I've got to say, Clayton Friend was a little bit before my time. Uh, but yeah, Kiwi, who played for the Bears uh, from 86 to about 89, I think. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know what... You wouldn't have been seen much semi-final action, I think, for the Bears. 86 to 89. Um, you play halfback, if you're into that. If you want to go from being a hard man in the engine room, a la Cross or Ross, and then merging into a halfback, Clayton Friend is your guy. Uh, 24 tests for the for, for New Zealand, though. So that's sort of something that pricks your ears up and think, oh, yeah, a couple of, bloody couple of tests for, for the Kiwis. There would have been some good test matches there too. It could be almost worth it. You can sort of revise this if you want. And I don't think it would be, you know, I mean, some people do want it all and go, well, I'll, I'll be Ben Ross and have the premiership. Then I'll be Clayton Friend and have the Kiwi test matches. I guess, well, you're within your rights to do that. That's what the segment is here, I guess. Um, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to be Clayton Friend, play for the Bears. In that era too, I'm doing it mostly for the test matches. Not necessarily even to win the test matches, but just to be involved in those test matches. There's so many famous stories, um, particularly Australia-New Zealand test matches uh, from that period of time. There would have been some good ones against England too, I'm sure. Um, so I'm going, to be, I'm going to be Friend. So I've gone cross into Friend, Clayton that is. Uh, and then from the NRL economist, he's asked, who would you rather be, the NRL economist or the NRL physio? Now, good stuff. Two very uh, learned opinions floating around, uh, definitely around social media and doing some some writing and some re- reporting for us. Um, and yeah, who would you rather be? Would you rather be an economist or a physio? I mean, we both need, uh, you need a strong economy in league and you also need healthy plays in league. So whichever, whichever venture you go down here, I think you, um, you're making a right decision. You know, you need a, you need a good front office. All right. And shout out to the NRL economist there. But you also need healthy plays, all right? We talk about Penrith being on top, you know, because they've got a healthy squad. Well, you're the NRL physio. You'd be having something to do with it, all right? Now, I'm going to be the economist. Mostly because I may not have failed year 12 economics, but I gave it a good crack at failing it, that is. Um, And to never, ever uh, look at anything resembling an economics textbook afterwards. Um, so I'm going to do that. I'm going to be The Economist. Uh, mostly as a shout-out um, and just a tip of the lid to our friend, the NRL Economist. So thanks for getting in touch. Um, yeah, look, oh, let us know what your, what your trio was. You know, get in touch on the socials. Let us know if you, if, if you were across Nathan Friend and the NRL Physio, which would be the opposite to me. Let me know. Tell me the reasons why. Uh, and the NRL Economist, I know you are listening. Tell us who you were. I, I, we, we'd be fascinated to know um, how your career panned out. Did you start at the Raiders and then, you know, head to the Titans? and the, Or did you start, you know, at Penrith and then go back in time to play with the Bears? All right, enough of that. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. Um, that was getting a bit silly. Uh, okay, look, all right, I'll head into the issues, okay? Um, cause there's been a few issues. Now I know last week I talked about how I was getting tired of the same media cycle of coaches, state of origin and injuries. Few people, few people got in touch about that. One of those people was Pezza and he berated me for it, you know, and said, oh, we'll make, talk about something else. You know, if only you had a platform, etc., etc." Fair enough. So a few other people got in touch. Said, "Yeah, I, I noticed the same thing. You know, that's all. That's all the media seems to want to talk about." And you know, uh, Adrian Leung got in touch and he talked about uh, the NBA. He said, "Well, the NBA, like they, they, there's usually such a stronger focus on the players and the player stories. Um, and you, I don't know, you just don't seem to get as much of that in league. Like even last night, I was watching the Fox coverage of." Uh, the Tigers and the Rabbitohs. It's a pre-match uh, 
pre-match interview with both coaches and uh, I don't know, I think it was Megan Barnard, I can't remember, I think it was Megan Barnard doing the interviews, and it's not anything against Megan, like, um, it would be the same no matter who was uh, asking the questions, I'm sure, uh, the questions to Wayne Bennett, pr- predominantly centred around whether he was going to go coach the Broncos next year, you know, in a, in a match, uh, you know, whether where Souths were trying to play for a top four spot. You know, it wasn't must-win for them, but that you know, it was a big game for them. And predominantly, the the leading questions were about him going to the Broncos. And the the, the disappointing thing from from Bennett, I thought, was the fact that he didn't just shut it down. He just didn't say, "No, I'm here to talk about South. We've got a game on." He actually kept going with it, you know, in his own way. Like he he was telling her to stop talking, but kept encouraging the conversation. If you know what I mean. Uh, and then with uh, Madge Maguire. You know, the questions were around, you know, um, you know, Benji Marshall retiring. Uh, it was around like Packer and Reynolds and the call. It wasn't just about the game. Like, you know, how are you guys going to beat um, Souths? You know, how, you know, wh- you know, what sort of tactics are you going to look to use? And just give us a bit of an insight into, you know, how the game's going to unfold. Oh, you've selected, you know, these guys on your bench. What are you looking from them? You know, why did you select Sam McIntyre on the bench? Um, instead, and, and start with Luke Garner. You know, what's going on there? And then we can actually start to understand the game a bit more, not just from a personal perspective, but from everyone. And we can start to have better, more educated conversations about things other than just, oh, well, he's going to coach there and, you know, oh, this club's a basket case and, you know, rah, 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 rah. Anyway, it just definitely... It feels like it's getting worse too. I don't know. Excuse me for a sec. I got some water this time. I'm just gonna have a quick sip. Ah, uh, very good. Okay, so yeah, I don't know. And in light of all that, well, here we go. Anthony Griffin of the Saints. So, I mean, yeah, I know. I just, I've just banged on about how I've been critical of just talking about coaches, but I guess it was the story. Uh, Griffin beat what? Who was it? David Ferner. Dean Young. Was there anyone else applying for that job? I don't. Th- I think it was those two. Uh, yeah, Anthony Griffin. What he's coached seven seasons. I think he's made the final six times. Got to be good. Uh, they say he's good at you know identifying juniors uh, and blooding them and getting you know getting them used to first grade. The the, the thing that is interesting, I think, about um, coaching at the moment is this sort of argument or discussion around, you know, are you a a Nathan Brown type coach where you can build a club, uh, identify, you know, identify players, get the right players to a club, uh, develop a good junior pathway. I guess the same as Griffin Griffin can do. You Griffin, you Nathan Brown type uh, coach, but can't necessarily get the best out of the players. Uh, to win a premiership, a la maybe, you know, well, obviously, you know, your Craig Bellamy's, your Trent Robinson's maybe, uh, Paul Green to a, to an extent perhaps. Wayne Bennett, sorry, Wayne Bennett is the obvious one out of that. He's very well known for being able to come in and get the most out of players and get the best out of them, but not necessarily leave uh, the teams in a better, you know, shape than they were uh, to what he found them. So apparently it's a big thing in, in England, in like in European soccer, there's guys that can come in and really just get the boat, the best out of players and they can win and succeed. I guess that's what Jack Gibson did. Uh, whereas there's other guys that can build and, um, develop, you know, a club for, I guess, sustainable success. Uh, I don't know what to say about Anthony Griffin. He's obviously a very conservative guy. I think he has different ideas to me uh, outside of rugby league, <laughs> uh, to say the least. Uh, but, I mean, if you've been following any of the programs and whatnot, you're probably bored and sick of hearing about the bloody fallout amongst him, Gould, Andrew Webster. It's just all these journalists. The weirdest thing I thought was like when... Obviously, the, the big feud between him and Gus. And Gus reckons his manager, who is it? Wayne Beavis, has like 
um, I don't know, has, has slandered Gould or something in the search for Griffin to get um, the job at Saints. Gould's like, oh, yeah, I've been, he's a dear friend of mine. I love him. Oh, we've been mates for 40 years, but I'll never talk to him again. I mean, far out. It's a bit of an insight into Phil Gould's mind, I guess. Um, there's some good quotes out there about forgiveness. I can't remember them off the top of my head now, but, um, you know, if Gus is out there listening, they say forgiveness is good for your own soul, not just for the other person's. Um, you know, running around with a grudge for the rest of your life, it's only going to, you know, hurt you more than anything. So forgiveness can set you free, Gus. Um, maybe something to think about. Yeah. Yeah, that's about it for that stuff. I mean, I can't, yeah. I, I, I can't have the energy to talk about it for much longer. What I would like to know if Saints fans are happy with Anthony Griffin. Get in touch. Get in touch with me. Please, please. Uh, board, Bulldogs boardroom I've written down. Lee's Club versus Football Club. Um, I mean, this is, this is the thing about clubs like the Bulldogs, you know. People are very critical of teams like the West Tigers and how they can't get it together. Well, at least the Tigers can claim that we don't have much money, you know. And we're a merged club, so it's always going to be difficult trying to, you know, resolve different sides. Same as St. George Illawarra. Well, what about the Bulldogs? Like, they've got the... I don't know what their, their league's club where it sits in the pecking order of, you know, biggest leagues club in New South Wales, but it's got to be top five. Uh, so they've got cash, you know, coming out of there, out of everywhere, and they can't get it together. Why? Because they always have people that, oh, I just love the club, you know. Oh, just a bulldog through and through, and that's why I should be the chair of the club, you know, and I love the joint more than you. Oh, there's nothing more grim than sitting around listening to people, but usually of a certain age group, telling other people how much they love a joint more than someone else, and therefore they should make all the decisions. Oh, I just you just love the joint, so you know, you know, I cut me and I bleed blue and white, you know, I'll get us back on track. Well, it doesn't seem to work, you know. Like if you want to, if you want to look at how good governance works uh, for, for, for for football clubs. Look at Richmond, the Richmond Tigers. You know, they were, they, were, they were essentially, in a lot of ways, the West Tigers for a number of years, finishing ninth, just scraping into the eight or, and getting kicked out. They were, they were mediocre uh, for a good number of years and they recycled coaches. You know, they'd gone through different coaches um, and all that sort of stuff. And then, I don't know, whenever it was, three or four years ago, they finally win their, their premiership. And they did it on the back of not sacking their coach. They identified things. I don't think they actually ever really publicized what they were, but they said there were other things outside um, the coaching side of it that needed to be fixed. And they got, um, oh, forget her surname, Peggy... Uh, very successful business lady of American heritage uh, still likes um, AFL and goes for the Tigers but maybe like not as much um, you know as some of those Bulldogs people who have real strong family ties that were basically born into a club but she was the chair of it and the biggest thing that um, she said um, is that the, the board just stay out of the football they're like, they don't get involved. You know, so many boards get involved in football clubs and just so people just get on board just so they can be part of it and feel like they're still part of it. You know, and go, oh, well, you know, we should sign this player. And because, you know, he's really good at a dummy half and, you know, I oh, will do that. And, you know, um, I reckon that's, you know, something that's happened at the Tigers as well. Um, but they, they, they said the biggest thing to getting success was staying out of the football. You know, and you just, I don't know. I don't know if that's something that happened to the Bulldogs, but oh, I'm tipping that it might be. Um, so, yeah, for those that don't follow AFL, Richmond have gone on to win. I think they, I'm pretty sure they won back-to-back premierships um, and they're still strong at the moment. So, yeah, there's a, there's, there's, I think there's a lesson for a lot of different boards out there. Um, you know, just because you love something doesn't mean you're good for it. Um, and I looked at some clips of 1988 and I know I've said a few nice things about the Bulldogs, um, but I just saw Terry Lamb smashing Ellery Hanley. Um, I'm pretty, I'm pretty close to taking it all back. 
with the Bulldogs. So, yeah, it was good to see that, I guess. Uh, all right, what else have we got? Um, Off-contract players. Now, I'm not going to talk about that. Um, what I will talk about is, if I can find it, um, a couple of players retired this week and last week. Um, one of them was Aiden Guerra. I'm not going to read out his entire statement, but um, have a listen to a little bit of what he posted on Instagram. Hey everyone, I've decided that after 13 years of living my dream in the NRL, I'll be retiring at the end of the season. It's a decision I'm very comfortable with and I'm excited to see what the future holds for me. Bell and our little family, thank you. Oh yeah what the future holds for him and his family. Uh, thank you to my friends, family, and all the great people I've met along the way that have supported me, helped me, doubted me, or influenced me in my, in any way. Uh, it goes on a little bit. Look forward to finishing off my career with a great group of blokes here at the Knights. I'm excited for what life will bring after the final Hooters sounds. Cheers, dogs. Which is good. Um, just really liked the the good grace and spirit that he that he's um, embracing around his retirement. Um, making it about the team as well there, just enjoying his footy for the last couple. Carrot Holland um, has decided to retire uh, from the Bulldogs. And here's a few things he's had to say. I'm going to enjoy the last couple of weeks while I can and play some good football with my teammates and a club that has supported me. I'm going to get back on the tools. Uh, Talking about future plans for playing. I'll leave that to my manager, but that's probably one place I'd love to go. That's the Knights. I grew up supporting that team. But if it doesn't come to fruition, I'll retire the boots or I'll go play local league, I'd say. My days in the NRL are pretty much numbered. The Bulldogs are moving in a new direction and so they should. Isn't that a nice thing to say? Just accepting that he had a good uh, run of it and a good time with the Bulldogs um, and just referring to the fact that they haven't been that successful, they haven't been making finals, therefore they're going in a new direction, and he understands that they should do that. So just good to see a couple of players uh, retiring with good grace uh, and being respectful and thankful uh, for their times at their football clubs um, and their time in the game and acknowledging um, that their club's going to make decisions like that. So that's really good to see. Uh, that's all I'm going to say about players um, retiring or not being offered contracts uh, in years to come. And you can take that however you wish. If you feel that there might be a hidden message in there, uh, maybe there just is. All right, on to Tiger Corner. Here we go. Uh, okay. I, I talked about the game last night. Um, so I've done that. Another positive from last... I, I don't really... I always sometimes don't know exactly what to say about the Tigers because there's so much. What I'm going to say is this, okay? I've decided that this will be the little thing I'll talk about for Tiger Corner. And I think there's been a real trouble this year with the Tigers in the fact that they haven't made the finals for so long. Obviously, what is it, nine years or something like that. And so there's some pressure on the coach and the team just to make the finals, just to get the monkey off the back, right? So, you know, no need to necessarily go on to make the the top four or anything like that, but just to get into the finals and get the meter off your back, uh, get the pressure from the fans off your back um, is something they probably really needed to do. But at the same time, they had a roster that probably wasn't, you know, where it needs to be. Uh, it's, it's, it's an aging roster. Uh, and obviously, you know, a, a few certain people were getting far too much money. Um compared to like the return or what they were giving for that money. All right. So basically, you know, Maguire was in a position where he really needed to make the finals, but also really needed to make some decisions um, around the future. And I think that it must be so hard for a coach uh, to do that because by building for the future, you're bringing in young players. You're probably trying to introduce a new process of how you're going to play the game as well. Um, which takes time 
and isn't always conducive to immediate success. So I think he was always hamstrung in what in what needed to happen. And I kind of think that's why he kept recycling or changing the halves so often, which possibly was a big part of, you know, where we struggled, particularly in the middle of the season, because it just wasn't um, the cohesion in combinations, the same with the fullback, um, that there probably needed to be. And I, I, I really kind of feel it was, you know, partly trying to, to make the finals and just going, oh, well, we'll just keep Benji there because it, you know, or, or play Josh Reynolds um, just to get some wins and try and get there. Uh, but also, you know, he, he was identifying that there was, we needed to change, uh, players needed to move on uh, and he probably needed to blood some certain plays in certain positions. Uh, and I just think that must be a nightmare position to be in uh, as a coach, you know. Uh, I think particularly with you know, with that trying to make the final, I listened to uh, an interview with Justin Pascoe actually on the NRL Economist's uh, podcast um, the other week. The name of the podcast just escapes me. I think it's called The Front Office. Um with, uh, yeah, the front office, uh, have a listen. It's a good cast. Um, with Justin Pascoe and Pascoe was saying that their goal every year is to win the competition. And if they don't do that, it's a failure. And I was like, yeah, man, I don't, that sounds impressive. And that might sound, you know, that might, you know, uh, you know, impress boards or, or sponsors, or it might even sound good in the media every now and again because we're, we're trying to be aspirational. But I just don't know if that's, like, helpful. Because they're like, well, our goal every year is to win the competition. If we don't do that, we see it's a failure. And they're so far off winning a competition. They're so far off it, you know. And it's, it's, and we know that because they can't even make the, the playoffs for the finals, so they're an extremely long way away from winning a premiership. So why I don't understand why that has to be the goal. Like the goal should be, you know, to improve the way we play. You know, and I don't know if they have these kind of goals, but shouldn't their goal be to just set up like a, a, a spine, as they call it, and have, you know, a cohesive, um, you know, set of playmakers down the middle? And, you know their goal should be to like, I liked what Penrith's goal was a few years ago, which was to have a team that I think was made up of like 85% of juniors. Like why not make that the goal and tell people about it. And then I think people will buy in, you know, and, and, and go, okay, look, we're we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not aiming to win the premiership next year because come on, you know, but what we're aiming to do is we're aiming to, be a little bit better than we were last year. And we're going to do that by getting these plays into certain positions. You know, I don't know. I just think that's a much better path, you know, to the ultimate goal of, you know, winning a premiership. You know, you look at the two of the most successful organized, not organizations, sporting teams. Uh, I've been watching too much television organizations. Bloody hell. Uh, Two of the most successful sporting teams in the Southern Hemisphere uh, are the All Blacks from New Zealand and the Australian Diamonds, the netball team. Uh, And both of their goals, when they talk about what they want to achieve, the All Blacks talk about playing the perfect game of rugby. That's their ultimate goal, is to play the, the, the perfect game of rugby. You know, and I think the Diamonds one was something along the lines of being the most professional... Um sporting setup in the country you know and that that meant like everything they did um was professional from from what they ate to how they dressed to how they trained and all that sort of stuff and that ultimate professionalism would bring about the results uh and yeah it's just interesting that neither of those aspirations are connected to um a specific or just a singular outcome of winning something but by striving to do those things they become the most successful uh, sporting teams, you know. And I think the Tigers going, oh well, you know, we just want to win the premiership, and if we don't do that, we fail. I think it leads that kind of mentality leads, and there's other things as well, but that that mentality leads uh, 
to very poor performance. And I think they need to reset their goals and actually, yeah, make, make more process focused and more, um, yeah, well, I'm sounding like a, yeah, more behavioral, I guess, uh, set behavioral goals and, and that will lead to making the finals. And then later on, we can talk about challenging for a grand final, but just this rhetoric of going, oh, well, if we don't win the grand final, then we have failed. It, it, it can't even, you can't even say, I can't even say that it's an opinion that it doesn't work because it's not working. So, you know, if you're listening and, you know, I, I, I tend to believe that someone in the Tigers is listening because a few weeks ago I said on the podcast uh, that the targets for players for next year should be James Tamo, Alex Johnston and um, Aiden Caesar. Well, they've got Tamo by the sounds of it. So they've ticked that off. Uh, so someone in, someone in the club, I'm assuming, is listening, whether it's Pasco, whether it's Adam Hardigan or it's Madge. Great work on getting Tamu. Uh, I know Johnston's uh, signed with South, so keep going with that, Okar. That sounds even better. Uh, and I know I originally said Caesar a couple of weeks ago because that, that was more about the goal-kicking stuff. But look, clearly you've identified Dewey as a kicker and he's, he's going really well the last few weeks. So maybe just keep pushing forward with that. Save the money on Caesar. Uh, and, and, and keep going with Brooks at seven. And then, yeah, maybe bring one of the young blokes in, Jock Madden or someone like that, uh, at six. But great work with Tamu. I hope, looking forward to hearing that get announced. Um, and yeah, just have a think about the stuff around your, your goal setting there. Um, okay, that's Tiger Corner for the week. Uh, whoa. This, this cast was meant to be quick. It's not. Um, look, I was a bit of history, okay? A bit of history. The segment um, where we just look back in time and just think about, you know, um, a bit of history. And I, I was going to do, I was actually going to do some Raiders stuff, but um, I sort of fell down a bit of a rabbit hole and just found myself um, reading about the 1982 New South Wales Rugby Football League season. A fair few things happened uh, in 1982. So we're going back to 1982. I'm going to do this a bit quicker than I thought because I've got your questions to deal with after this. Um, so 82, it was the first... Um, I'm just going to run you through a few things that happened in 82. All right? Parramatta won the, won the premiership. Uh, they were also the minor premiers. Uh, Mick Cronin was the top point scorer. Uh, and Greg Brentnell was the Rothmans medal winner. Um, now, the more interesting things that happened uh, was 82 was the first year of the Winfield Cup. So that was the first uh, time they used that trophy of Norm Proven and Arthur Summons, uh, which replaced uh, the JJ Gilton Shield, all right, which was named after James J. Gilton, uh, who was one of the central sort of founders, I guess, um, of rugby league. And they'd only, they'd played for that shield. So the winner got that shield uh, from 1951. Yeah, I guess up until 81. I need to find out what they did before 1950. Um, but then, yeah. And then the Winfield Cup sort of got introduced uh, from... 80, from 82. And then I think you got both. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure you got the shield and the trophy if you won the premiership from 82 onwards until, I don't know, when, um, I think it was the late 90s. The shield has since been awarded uh, to the minor premiers. Um... There was this thing called the WD and HO Wills Cup from 60 to 81. Uh, I need to find more about that. But anyway, yeah, 82, it was the first, um, yeah, the first time that that, that, that trophy uh, was given to the winners. Uh, Illawarra Steelers and Canberra Raiders, they, they debuted um, in that season. Illawarra came second last, Canberra Raiders came dead last. Um, so it was pretty tough entry point for them um interestingly interestingly like 82 was like probably quite pivotal because it was the first year uh, well it was it was the first season that there were teams from outside sydney so it was real that first expansion well it wasn't the first time they entered new teams but it's the first time they expanded outside of sydney and then it was also the first time uh that there were more 
non-foundation clubs than foundation clubs. So I think like, you know, uh, I think this was really starting to come to the height of when I think like um, Ken Arthurson and those guys, mostly from Manly, were really like running the game. Uh, and a lot of that historic power from the foundation clubs was st- was really starting to be taken away, like really starting to be taken away because, yeah, there's more that happens in the 80s after this, um, you know, with sort of Newtown leaving, with West relocating. And I might talk about that... Uh, you know, in, in, in podcasts to come. Um, but yeah, so what else? There was something else that happened in 82. Oh yeah, even just think about this. So like there was, so there was now 14 teams, all right, which was the same amount of teams that there were in 2001, I think. You know, which I guess, fuck, 2001 was 20 years ago now. But, you know, 14 teams back then, and I guess now we're at, like, we're at 16. And, and we sort of feel like we've expanded heaps. But, yeah, they were still playing with 14 teams. So, every every team played each other twice. So, they're actually... um, I always think back to, like, you know, back in the day kind of thing, and they would have played a lot less. But, yeah, they actually played each other uh, twice. So, there were 26 rounds. Um, they started the season in February. I don't know why. I haven't been able to work that out, but um, that was something else that happened. Um, so yeah, like they played from February through to August. Uh, again, like you think, yeah, I, like I thought, maybe they played in February in the Olympics, like in 2000 or something like that. But anyway, um, I think that was because there was the two extra teams and it was just done fairly. Everyone played each other twice. I wouldn't mind going back to that somehow. Uh, but yeah, uh, oh yeah, 82, it was the only time there was a nil-all scoreline in competition history, and I think, well, no, it was, um, it was Newtown and Canterbury at Henson Park, um, can you imagine that, nil-all, um, that's pretty funny, I mean, you go to a, you watch, um, soccer and see nil-all, and you think it's boring, like, I wonder what it would have looked like, nil-all, anyway, it's the only time it ever happened, didn't happen before that, hasn't happened since, uh, and also, uh, there was the, at that point, the long-standing record for longest suspension for a play in league's history was broken, uh, when Western Suburbs Bob Cooper was suspended for 15 months <laughs> for punching Illawarra's Lee Pomfret. So I didn't see any, um, footage of that, but yeah, 15 months. Like we talk about like Chad Townsend getting sent off, uh, and people blowing up about it. What he was suspended for four weeks or something. Bob Cooper, 15 months, uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, Parramatta Minor Premiers and Premiers. Uh, Balmain, if you're interested, the Tigers, they run fourth last, Penrith a third last. Uh, the top five was Parramatta, Manly, Norths, Easts, then Wests. Uh, so, yeah, still what? One, two, still three foundation clubs still there. Newtown came seventh. Um... And yeah, all the finals being played at the cricket ground. Um, pretty pretty cool. Um, it's only 24,000 came to the preliminary final against Parrot and East. I guess it was East, I guess. They're not drawing a crowd. Yeah, they couldn't draw crowds back then either. Um, but yeah, Parramatta eventual winners 21 to 8 over Manly. Uh, yeah, 982. There you go. Uh, that's your history. Hope you liked that. Oh, I don't know if I delivered that as well as I could have. Like I, I was actually intending to do other things, but I thought I'll oh, just a, just a recap of eighty two would be good. Um, yeah, I, I might do that in um, the next few casts. Uh, but anyway, hope you liked that. Okay, I guess I usually come to the point where we have some interesting questions about the footy. You know, our sparks. What do you think about this? And um, you know, what do you, who do you think should be coaching and what about the Tigers on this? Uh, no, not this week. Uh, the overwhelming uh, questions from Adrian Lung and Sam Perry, what are your thoughts on Huawei um, and their sponsorship with the Raiders? Well, I mean, there's clearly a trade war between Australia and China happening. Huawei is a, a Chinese uh, company, I guess, doing business in Australia. Um, and they've had to pull the pin on it because our governments are, are now in a trade war. I think it's as simple as that. Um, at least that's what they said last week or the week before. 
Um, and if you, you actually find that they're they're still going to sponsor them. Um, they're just not going to be the major sponsor. So take that what you will. Um, yeah, I don't. I mean, that's about all I can really sort of say. I mean, the Raiders have had like some interesting. Uh, I guess they were sponsored by Phone Zone from 03 to 06. It seems like they like sort of like mm, non-mainstream phone companies. They were sponsored by Aussie Mail from 2000 to 02. Um, I don't know what ended up happening to them. Uh, but that happened. The, the, the milk sponsorship actually only happened from 93 to 95. It was only three years, but it just shows if you have some glory years... Uh, you know, that'll, um, that'll stay with you for a long time. I always liked the video easy on the front, to be honest, as far as the sponsorship went from the Raiders. Uh, but then, yeah, when, when, I think when video easy went to the sleeve sponsor and milk was the major sponsor, I mean, that just, yeah, that became really, really good for me. So hopefully Canberra milk might want to come back and, um, and sponsor them again. Uh, look that, 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 I don't know what the press on that was about. Um, from um peasant adrian but thanks for that i guess uh i think moving forward um more conversation just around the codes probably what we're what we're after here on the hill i reckon uh but but thanks for getting in touch anyway all right ladies and gentlemen uh that'll do us i think for the week uh hope you enjoyed the cast thanks for listening uh thanks for getting in touch on the socials thanks for sharing the podcast with your mates uh enjoy your footy all right enjoy your footy hope your team wins and uh if i don't see you uh, uh, on the social media channels i'll uh i'll be talking to you again this time next week thank you very much